Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. This is inconvenient, this Christian life. If you want to bow to the idols of comfort uh, and all that kind of stuff in life, it's going to confront you. But it's not always bad news and sometimes you can present the confrontation and you think, man, this is all just bad, this is all just cost. But let's have a look at John 10.10 and because I I talk a lot about losing your life uh, to to gain it, but often we're a bit thin on what what is this life that we get on the other side of that? What's the upside, Jesus? Is it, is it when I get to heaven? Is that it? Or is there something now? And there is something now. So let's have a look at that. John 10.10. 10. The thief, uh, talking about uh, the evil one, Satan, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Interesting, uh, if you read the book of John from cover to cover, which is a great exercise, uh, I actually genuinely recommend that. You'll see the theme of John particularly, is not only that of relationship and connection, it's of good versus evil, uh, lies versus truth. He, he presents a paradigm of warfare, of the biblical paradigm, the biblical worldview that we are in a fight here. And we, we don't sign into Christianity to get onto a pleasure cruise. We get down to the docks and the ocean liner isn't there. It's a war vessel. And, and he presents the war vessel. It's painted grey. It's got a big white number on it. It says, we're, we're going in harm's way. And this is the Christian life. And so Jesus presents this in John 10.10. There's a thief who steals and kills and destroys. I've come that you may have life. But when he says may have, and this is where it's great to understand a little bit of the Greek, it's almost like he says, but I've come that you may have life. And it's almost like, well, we may or we may not. Um, is, it, is it an offer? Is it, it sounds in our translations a little bit casual. But the Greek word in there is the Greek word echo. But it's not echo as in sound coming back. It's, it's echo which means to hold, to grasp and to keep, to hang on to. I have come that you would grasp and hang on to life. Nothing but life. Because the absence of true life is death. It might paint itself up as life, but I'm giving you real life, abundant life, life to the full. And he doesn't explain what that is in this passage. But if you look at the grander themes of scripture, we can start to see what it is. So Jesus' concept is the opposite of the devil. He's presenting the, 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 the mirror image here. Satan, uh, steal, kill, destroy. I'm bringing life. So his life is the opposite of stealing, killing and destroying. It's the opposite of decay, the opposite of destruction, the opposite of being stolen from. So his life is to thrive. He's offering you a life where you grow, where you receive. We call it these days renewal. Anyone ever heard that term bandied around? I use it a lot. Renewal, that's what it is. He's talking about life. The Hebrews would use words like shalom or blessing. Jesus said, you are blessed if. He's talking about this same sense of renewal, of life, of I I take that which is decaying and I renew it and I bring life. That's what Jesus is about. These days in secular world or normal world, they'll use a term of happiness as opposed to pleasure. Happiness and pleasure are different things. Satan will lead you towards pleasure in the cloaking it as happiness. God offers happiness. Happiness builds up in your body serotonin. Pleasure builds up endorphins and and there's highs and lows and it's a different set of things going on there and one can be masters the other. So he's offering life. 
So how do we define uh, and get hold of this life? So you may, I want to, and I'm hoping I don't get a little bit too nerdy here. I don't want to get too TED talky, but if you can just ride with me for a little bit, because I haven't really gone deep on this before. Um, we've just done a throwaway comment. You can have abundant life, just get hold of that, it's fine. But I want to go there now and look at what this means in a, in a primary and a secondary sense. So hang in there with me. Now, we normally see an experience of God or a work of God in our life uh, in terms of a power switch. The default mentality because of our industrialization uh, and the tech revolution, we, we, when we contemplate power, we contemplate, I can flick it on and I can flick it off. And we overlay that now for the last couple of hundred years on what it means to experience God. We have an experience. It's, it's all or it's nothing. It's off or it's on. And... Um, but Jesus, you'd find, would go away and he would build a margin. So the kingdom operates much more off margins, off a reservoir, off a well um, of relational presence. So it's not a switch. It's not an impersonal force because Jesus, he says, I have come. He doesn't send you an email about eternal life. He says, no, I have come. So he's drawing you into a relationship, drawing you into presence, and so when Jesus would, would uh, build his life with God, he would go away and he would build it a margin. He'd build a reservoir, like a big tank in his life of relational presence. So in Mark 29, 29, you'll see where he says uh, they're trying to cast the demon out. The demon won't come out with the disciples. He says, oh, they only come out through prayer and fasting. Yet Jesus just cast the demon out. He didn't, he didn't go away and pray and fast at that time. He just cast the demon out. Well, how could he do that? Because he'd built a big well already of prayer and fasting. He was drawing from a well of deep supply. So the margins were there in his life. And we can use this sort of paradigm of the reservoir, the margin, the deep well of how abundant life begins to look in your life. Because abundant life runs off margins. So picture it, if you like, uh, in our Western term. I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer. I was at one point. So I love hydrology. I love hydrodynamics, all that. I used to love that sort of stuff. Picture it like a reservoir, a water tank with, with a source of life coming in, a reservoir and an outlet, which is our life, that just drains life out of us more than it tends to dwell, bring it in. Um, so if you don't give in to that tank, uh, eventually you're going to become exhausted. Anyone exhausted at the moment? I'm, I'm a train wreck. I know I look great, but I'm a, tra- a train... <laughs> oh, no. no, no, it's okay. You're looking at a shell of a man, okay. <laughs> only, only physically, because it was a move, move week, and the older, the older I get, the more stuff I've seen to have accumulated, and every single bit of it has to come with. So the, so the list of boxes just gets higher. So we've just been carting boxes all week. Great to be local, though, guys. Can't wait to get you all around at once um, for a barbecue. <laughs> but if you don't have the tank being filled, eventually you're going to get exhausted. And that will manifest itself in different ways. Or if you're draining faster than, than life is coming in, you're going to burn out too. And the source of life for the Christian in our worldview is the presence of God. Nothing else, nothing but, no substitute. It's not your hobbies, it's not your highs in life, and it's not pleasure. And this is where we need to understand the difference here between building a walk with God and what we would normally call Sabbath. Because Sabbath is supposed to be God's day. It's a day where your tank literally gets filled. And we can, we can fill our tank by doing what makes us happy. We can fill our tank by indulging in our sport or going shopping. or, or We have all have different ways where we feel better at the end of the day. But that isn't building God's presence. The only way you can build life is to dig a well of God's presence. 
So there's a slide up on screen uh, now-ish. Please excuse my basic drawings, but there's three reservoirs of life. And so I want to talk here about primary reservoirs. What is this abundant life? And it's these three major categories, freedom, relationship and purpose. And I'm going to dig down in them in a moment. But these are primary sources of human life for our soul as human beings. Now, there's secondary facets of life as well. We heard Lauren um, with a healing testimony. We hear that uh, reasonably regularly around here where God works and there's healing. We see miracles. We see gifts of the Holy Spirit. We see great things happen. But for me, they're essentially, I'm calling them secondary forms of life. They're results of something else. These three become the, the, the primary human need unseen where Jesus says, I'm bringing you life. So freedom we, don't, we wonder why that's there in our culture because freedom for us is something that in the West for the last hundred years or so is essentially almost an entitlement for us. We don't, we've never lived without freedom. We don't understand, for example, what it is to live in a, in a, in a system, a political or um, a tribal system where there's oppression, where there's bondage, where you have no choices, um, where you're told what to do, where to go. We, we are used to complete freedom. Um, so freedom essentially, though, is, is it's a human ache. A, a human being will, will do anything for freedom. Many will die rather than not have freedom. Uh, we, we don't quite understand that. Our, our freedom tank is not only full, it's busting open. We actually have possibly too much freedom socially. Spiritually, no. But um, it's the ability to choose. So your career, your family, your spouse, the nation you live in, politics, opinion where you take your holiday. That's freedom. So we, we love to have freedom. And uh, this is a primary sense of life. The next one's relationship. So this is relationship with God and relationship with people. But the hu- humanity, we're a social being and we're made, we're literally written into our DNA, is a need to connect with God and with people. So we need family, a tribe, uh, and our community. I'm uh, waiting with bated breath a book I've just ordered from John Townsend, the other guy who wrote um, Boundaries with Henry Cloud. He's just written a brand new book called People Fuel. Uh, He's done a neurological study now over many years about the different types of relationships and how they fuel chemically your brain and and bolster your brain and how there's some that literally decay your brain and how how to manage which ones you have in your life. But abundant life is a life of relationship. And then there's purpose. Again, this can be something, this is one we tend to struggle with more uh, than a culture that's under oppression or a culture going through a depression. You'll notice that the suicide rates uh, in the Western world through the Great Depression and the war were very, very low compared to now, where we have no problems. Why is that? Hopelessness. Whereas back then, there was always hope. We, this is a struggle worth fighting for. We're not giving up. We're not backing down. I'll give my whole life. Give me a shovel. Give me a gun. We're, we're pushing forward. And so this purpose in life gave fuel for their life. And so they would get through anything. In the absence of freedom, they had purpose. And so you'll know that, that in, in different cultures and different situations, these tanks are at different levels. And so our tank is high on freedom. Many of us are low on relationship. Many of us are lacking purpose altogether. Now, what we've got to understand with these tanks is there's no rapid fill. You can't just say, well, my tank of freedom with God or my my tank of connection with God is low right now. I'm going to go to a conference. 
I'm going to go to a weekend retreat and get someone to pray for me. They're good things. They're all part of the whole game there. But these tanks are trickle-fed. So Jesus would go away and he'd build a a strong, long-term reservoir of God's presence in his life. There was no, oh, let's press a button thing. This is where we fall over because we're a press a button culture. But presence with God, you can't do it like that. You can't do that with a person and you can't do it with him. And so these tanks need to be grown. So we can see that in all these areas, right through Scripture, if you look at with this context and you read your New Testament, what Jesus starts to say. So freedom, I've been sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. 2 Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's very much in his mind, freedom. See, for us, it's freedom from sin. Predominantly, that's the freedom that we lack. We're, we're addicted, we're in bondage. And our choices, given its own excess, actually leads us beyond the freedom that it prescribes into a bondage. So what the world calls freedom, we call slavery. You see how this begins to work if you try to operate this way without God in the system. So the tanks, those three tanks, are meant to be connected. What happens is, if I'm high on the freedom tank and they're not connected there, I can say, I'm doing whatever I want. I might go overseas, I've got a young family, I'll go overseas for a four weeks away, I can do whatever I want. The bank account's high, I can spend money. But my heart's longing for my family. I want to be home with the kids and I want, to, I want to be with the people I love. And so to do that, I've got to come back. But when I come back, now I've got to discipline the kids and now I've got to go shopping and now I've got to vacuum the, the house. And so my freedom needs to come down because I can't do everything that I want if I want my relationship tank to be high. So you've got to have a connection. If you want to find balance in these areas of your life, you can't isolate these three areas. They've got to be joined, and when they're joined to the bottom, that's Archimedes' principle, Uh, I think I've got the right one there, Um, they self-level. They'll level themselves out, and so you meet a one, one form of abundant life to bring in balance with the rest. And so the human bias of all of us, we'll all have a, a human bias that will want one tank more full than the other. We'll lean more to one side than the other. But God, that's why we need the presence of God feeding them, because that way we bring balance. In the next slide, we can look at what it looks like if we try uh, a non-connected Christian life. This is what happens if we have our own way, even in a Christian system. I can have all the freedom that I like. I'm free in God and I do whatever I want. It turns into something else. The tank gets so filled, it overflows and it becomes something it was never designed to be. I just become flighty. I just do what I want. There's no constraint on me and we misread the scriptures and it's completely indulgent and I just do whatever I want. I'm just a flighty person. There's no anchors. I just run off stimulus that week. Even though I'm loving God and even though it's God who's filling my tank because I'm not managing my side of the equation and I'm out of control. Relationships turn into something else. They end up fitting like a commune or a controlling echo where we don't want anyone else to come in. We start making it hard for people to get involved or we say you can't have communion unless we know you and trust you first. This is all the religious stuff that happens when the tanks become separated and we start to close the doors of Christianity. God never had anything like that in his mind. And so we become a commune and all we have is the echo of our own opinions bouncing all around us. Purpose becomes a non-empathetic fixation. So I might have my thing. Why doesn't everyone else get excited about what I get excited about? Social justice. Uh, I'm, I'm obsessed. I've got an agenda. Why can't they do it? The church isn't doing it, so I get cranky and I leave the church and I go and do God's work for him. This is what happens if we disconnect these, these tanks in our life. 
or you could go to the secular system, which is the alternative. This is the system that the world is operating right now. It recognises that the same tanks need to be filled because these are human needs, believer or unbeliever, the tanks still exist. And so in the secular system, which is essentially a system without God, it's humanist, we must meet these needs in our own way, we're real smart, we can figure a way out of it, I fill my tank. And so we get these three conditions, which in the end, once you hit those three conditions, they self-cycle themselves and they just grow in a vortex of, of ever more individualism, isolationism, consumerism. See, if I, can only, if I do whatever I want, I'm free, do whatever I want. It's all about me now. I'm just an individual and I just keep filling my own tank. In my relationships, I do what I want the people around me that I want, just one or two, and, and it becomes this isolated thing where I'm cut off from the balance of the rest of the world. And with purpose, if I just pursue what I want to do, it might be cycling this week. I'll get the next gadget. I'll spend 15 hours a week on the bike. It's like, get out of my way. I've got to get fit. I end up, it's just, it's about me. I'm consuming more and it's addictive and I've just got to keep going that way. So the world is presenting that system. It's secular. It's, it's consumer-driven. It's me-driven and there's no God in there. Okay, so TED Talk ends there. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I've come to give life. Um, evil one comes to steal, kill and destroy. How does he do that? Now warfare, I don't know whether any of you have been, ever been conscripted into war. Has anyone ever gotten the gun and, and sat in the trench? No, no hands? Okay, so warfare has two main ways you can do this. You can be at war and never fire a bullet. In a war, there's hard power that comes at the end of a gun or a drone and there's soft power. Now, we are at war with the evil one. The hard power would be is if he uh, demonises someone or he takes control, literally would take control of your life and tear it apart. So you look at what happened to poor old Job in the Old Testament context. It's war open warfare here. People are dying here. There's sickness here. There's destruction here. Now, in the New Testament concept, con context, uh, that hard power of Satan has predominantly or largely, certainly in a, in a, uh, in a um, positional sense, been taken from him. Colossians 2.15 says that he has, been dis he has disarmed, Jesus has disarmed the powers and authorities. So they've, they've actually lost their hard power. Now we can choose through our choice to give Satan authority, but essentially his hard power, he's lost his gun. He can shout all he likes, but he can't shoot unless we give authority to him, hand, literally hand it over. So that leaves soft power. Soft power is a really interesting thing. Soft power is way more influential than the end of a gun. It's not doing something by force, it's doing it through influence. And so we're fighting a soft power war globally. Let's take ourselves out of the Christian thing for a moment. Globally, there are soft, soft power is being exerted all over the place and people don't like it. So if, out of our Western context, people who look at... Um, say, uh, Hollywood. Hollywood is, uh, if I was living in the Middle East or in, a, um, in Africa, it, that's an influence of soft power that intimidates, it sets high boundary markers, it does all this stuff that, that brings people, and they, and they don't like it unless they can be a part of it. So it's seen as soft power. And what we're doing there, it's, it's really what they call asymmetric warfare. Hard power works battle line to battle line. Satan's not doing that. He's doing an asymmetric warfare. And what that looks like is two opposing um, forces of unequal power. 
So Satan has no power, but he's acting like he does. And so it becomes much more like Al-Qaeda versus the USA. Hugely unequal power, but there's a big, hard war going on there, isn't there? People are still getting killed, and it's very hard to combat this thing. And so it's not a single frontal attack, it's like a multi-door maze. It's like, where's my enemy? Is he around that corner? And whatever path in the maze I take, I'm going to end up in trouble. So even though there's not a lot of power there, this soft power can really intimidate us. And what he does is things like social media is a classic um, soft power influence. You talk to you know, president of the US at the moment, what he thinks about soft power of, the, of social media and, uh, and, uh, and the general media. Um, and what happens here, and, and, and it's okay for me to say this, is you look at the current issues, say, between uh, Russia influencing, apparently, allegedly, um, the US election. There was no gun involved. There was no uh, direct attack involved. There was no obvious trial. But there was a huge amount of influence through soft power of social media. And what they did, theoretically, is boost what was already there. And this is what Satan does too. There was already an extremist group, right, left, there. All they did was invest millions of dollars in boosting those posts. So they come out into everyone's mainstream and looks like mainstream media. Fake news goes around the whole thing. And this is what the evil one does. It's asymmetric warfare. It's soft power. And this is what he does in your life. He takes what's already there, the seed form of what's already there, a temptation, like a human need, which might be um, a human uh, healthy need for sexuality. He takes that and he distorts it, and he boosts it into temptation. Then he boosts it again into lust. Then it over-crosses the line into an act of sin, then into finally death, it says in James. And you see this progression where he's boosting what's already there through asymmetric warfare. So if you look at this whole death and life thing that we're talking about, Jesus brings abundant life, uh, Satan brings death. He can do it through two ways. Normally he'll he'll either break your tank, he'll try to destroy your tank, destroy your freedom, destroy your relationships. He'll do that, he'll try that. If that doesn't work, he'll do the opposite, which is overflow your tank into those other areas of excess that we saw before. And so if he can't break you, he will give you over an abundance of it. Too much freedom for the West ends up becoming complete individualism. So uh, I'm just losing myself in my notes, I'm skipping too far ahead here. Uh, freedom will become an excess to addiction, which just covers our emptiness and pain, which we've got because we're not in relationship with God. See what I mean? That the tanks need to be joined. Relationships become a fixation. Purpose becomes unbridled, selfish ambition. And he, all does, he does it all through lies, and the lies, which are, his main tool is deception. This is what soft power does. It's deceiving. It takes the seed of what's already there that, that may well be good, and wrapping it in a lie and, and bringing about destruction through overabundance. Jesus went on in John chapter 8. He says, The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He, see, he couldn't be clearer here. Everything he says, it looks, it's cloaked in light, but it's darkness. Don't buy into that. And so that's the, the weapons of his warfare are essentially going to be deceit, which will try to break your tanks, or overflow your tanks in life. Now, the chances are you already know what this feels like. You know, you're just trying to live. You're just trying to do the stuff. You know, you're fighting temptation here. You're fighting exhaustion there. You're just trying to get by. You're doing your religious best. 
But addiction to pleasure is the only freedom you might know from pain. You know that the ache is there and pain always looks for pleasure. There's a loneliness that you can't resolve. Um, there's there's uh, a lack of time for relationships. There's hopelessness. It, was, it sits there like a crouching lion ready to break into your life. But Jesus is offering a tangible alternative here. He's saying that, no, there's life. There's now. These three tanks I'm offering you anytime you can choose to uh, build these reservoirs up and get abundant life back in your life. And I think one of the biggest challenges is in church world is that we probably haven't described these tanks well enough for us. People haven't known, oh, it's, it's, it's purpose I can build here. This relationship thing is not just what we do in church. No, there's a reason for that. You need that. You need to build that tank. And this connection with God is real and, and it's what you need in your life. John 7.37, Jesus goes on. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. In other words, fill your tank. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. He's saying, I'm here to fill your tank. Let it flow. Let it, let it flow in and let it flow out in a healthy way. He's talking about an offer of renewal. He's saying you need to be renewed every day. You need to build this tank and fill yourself with me. Don't look for the high. Don't look for the switch. It's me. I, I have come. I have come. He, he wants us and he wants us to want him. And he wants to make all things new. And I love Acts 3.19. It's, and, uh, it's a verse that for some people doesn't make sense, but in this context it's, it's logic purely. Repent then and turn to God. This is Peter talking to the crowds who couldn't understand what they're looking at with the Holy Spirit's just come over the, the disciples for the first time. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How long since you've felt refreshed in God? How long? Don't put your hand up and answer me. I know. We don't do this well in the West. We do what's required. But he's saying there's another way. Fill this tank. Rivers of living water. Let them flow. Let them flow in your life. Get yourself genuinely filled. Switch systems. It's not up to you. It's not about how good you do and what you do. It's about presence of God in your life. So let me give you a few steps into this renewal, and, and we, we'll never get tired of talking into this, um, but let me give you a few little pointers so you'll, just, you'll know why we press these buttons so often. First of all, you've got to understand that the whole life, I'm, I'm hesitating again to use the word system, but it's, it's just these reservoirs in your life, they can only be filled by God's presence. It's not filled by the Bible. It's not filled by being religious and being faithful, as if, as if the acts themselves uh, will do that for you. And I'm not lowering the value of Scripture here, sky-high value of Scripture, but, but I can give you my book, or one of my books, and that's not giving you me. You don't need my book in that sense. Well, let's have a human connection here. The author wants to get involved in your life, because the book only makes sense in the presence of the author anyway. Otherwise, it gets confusing. It looks like it contradicts itself sometimes. You've got to have the writer there to explain it to you. So he doesn't email you the answer. He wants to give you himself. His presence is life. His presence is what fills that tank. So a couple of quick ways to do that is movement, mission, and moments. Movement, when I'm talking about movement there, does anyone understand what a flywheel is? Um, maybe a, a uh, the, remember the old, mill, the old water mills 
from pre-industrial age with the, the big stone wheel that turned. Big stone wheel. It took a lot to get it going. But once it was going, you just had to just give it a bit of a push every now and then. It would just keep going. This is a flywheel effect, the inertia of movement. It just keeps going. And movement is like that. And movement is really saying that if you want to build the presence of God in your life, it's the movements in life. It's not the, the big thing. At, at the moment uh, matters, but the movement is what's going to build your life. It's the small things. I love in the Proverbs where uh, I think it's Solomon says, Consider the ant, you sluggard. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't freak out. He just keeps walking. He just keeps doing the right things. He does what he does to build the nest. Consider the ant. Don't try and do a little bit on Sunday and then do nothing for a week and then do it again on Sunday or, or say, I'm going to fix my walk with God. I've got to go to a new conference or retreat. So do the movement of Christian life. And so it is, absorb the word of God daily. Read chunks of scripture. If you're going to read it, don't do a verse. Do a, do a couple of chapters. Do three or four chapters. Give it context. Let them chew on the meat of Scripture. Talk to God like he loves you and talk to God about the things that matter to you. Talk and listen. Ask him what he thinks. Ask him how he wants to bless people. These are the movements of Christian life. And spiritual disciplines um, are really good in this sense. But we've got to make sure that spiritual disciplines like fasting and praying that Jesus used as an example aren't a way to coerce God into working. They're, a way, they're building a tank. Spiritual disciplines say, I'm, I'm going to build a bigger tank now in faith that God's going to fill that tank. So spiritual disciplines are things like prayer, fasting, worship, silence, solitude, all these sorts of practices we can do, scripture, where we can literally create a space that God can fill in our life. It's not cause and effect, it's just making room for God to work in our life. And so if it comes to things like freedom or relationship or purpose, we want to fill these tanks, how do you find freedom? Well, get free, easy to say, but we have courses like Reform and, and this sort of, we do all that. We have prayer ministry where we can break off bondages, we can, we can help people release from their past. There's all sorts of incredible ministry goes on here week in, week out. If you're not free, make the choice and get free. Don't put up with that stuff. Get it dealt with. Come and see us. We can help there. Relationship. How do you fix that? Well, get connected. Don't just um, come to church because it's a nice building and, and Emily does fantastic PowerPoints. It's, it's just not going to work. The, the saying is churches, local churches in the West, are a conveyor belt. People come in, and unless they get connected, they're out. It's not a very good system. The church was never supposed to be a system. It's a community. It's a, it's a family. You come in and get connected. You need to find some friends. You need to get some people who've got your back. You need to be in a home group or get into a ministry and do things as a team. What about purpose? How do you find purpose? Get involved. Do something. You know, um, we, Every week we're, we're bringing new things that we can get involved in in church. So find things of purpose to do. And once we do that, you'll find your own sweet spot coming out of that. So that's the movements of Christian life. In the mission side, I love this aspect because if we just do the movements, it's like we're building a reservoir, but there's no out outlet. There's nothing better than, than giving God away to have an experience of getting more of God in your life. It's getting yourself out there. It's sharing the gospel in your workplace. It's, it's doing an act of mercy for a stranger, this sort of thing. Give away this stuff that God's given us. And lastly, they're the moments. 
I became known for a long time. I was sort of painted into the corner of the moments guy. You know, let, let's, let's have a moment in God. Let's experience something as a spike. And that's, you know, I love moments. I'll never not want to have moments, but I know they're, they're part of a bigger game here. But there, there is a, um, a time where you need to have a moment in God. You need to have an experience of God. We all, we all deserve an experience, an encounter with God where we know, man, that was unmistakably God, what just happened there in my life. And, uh, you know, because life's hard, and if, and if all we have is an apologetic, if all we have is, no, I believe in God because it makes sense, that's going to get challenged one day because it doesn't always make sense. If you can't reflect back and say, no, I know God exists because he dwells in my, in my heart, I, I can sense him there. I've experienced this and I've seen that. It's unmistakable that God has done that. And we bounce back and we have those moments in life where we've seen God do amazing things. Don't um, devalue those. Don't minimise them in other people's lives as being um, emotionalist. There's a real spot for that. And I, I've, just been, I've been very fortunate for whatever reason to have some incredible moments in God where you think, gee, even if I knew nothing else, that proves not only does God exist, but God is love and God is able to do anything. You know, and you see these things and they become landmarks in your life. And on their own, they're not enough. You, know, you need to have the movement as well. But I tell you what, it's good to have a moment with God. So all that considered, freedom tank, relationship tank, purpose tank, can you see why renewal is such a big part of what we talk about here? There's, we're, I'll probably preach more into this next week. We're going to talk about what are the wineskins of this era. How do we need to design uh, kingdom and church life in this generation? But the wineskins have to change because this generation are coming through. They're not just satisfied with knowledge. When I was young and I was one, you could just preach at me a whole heap of content. I'd go, man, that was so awesome. My soul is filled right now, and that's plenty for me. It's different now. It's different. People need a genuine experience of God in a safe, credible place. They want to know this God is not just transcendent. He's imminent. I need to have a relationship with him. And so as we begin to look at life, this is why we're filling hearts to fuel mission. It's a big part of what we're about here. But ultimately, it's about relationship. Ultimately, it's about you. You can't escape. You can't religion your way into heaven. You can't religion your way into a full tank. It's relational. You've got to let him get to know you and, and vice versa. It's a relationship with God. It takes time. Psalm 63.1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You just can't escape. You'll get to these points. You just go, I'm done. I just need God. I just need you right now. And they're the moments where you can just use that to activate. Let's start a new day. Let's start to build this tank and build some disciplines around that that do that. Let's pray together. Let's pray. And as the band comes up too, we just want to worship you, Lord. Father, I just... There's just so much to thank you for right now, Lord. Lauren's testimony is great, but it's one of a dozen at the moment of incredible things going on. Lord, you're restoring lives, restoring hearts. Lord, you, anything's possible in you. And Lord, right now, we just want to release, Father, just the anything's possible uh, spirit in this place. Whatever it is, what is, what is your challenge right now? He is able Set your heart on him. Have faith in him and watch him break through. 
Lord, I just pray for breakthrough in lives right now. Lord, bring renewal. Make all things new. All things new. And Lord, we just want to stop now and, and just worship you. And I'm just reminded, even as I'm praying, I've got a rock in my office. It's just this humble rock. But it's a rock from uh, the Mount of Olives. It's one of the rocks when Jesus walked past, he said, if you don't worship me, this rock's going to worship me. And it just reminds me that no matter what we're seeing, it's always the right moment to worship. So, Father, we thank you for creation. We thank you for life. We thank you for the freedom that we have, the opportunity for relationships and purpose. Help us to walk in life. Help us to dig big wells in you. And, Lord, as we do that, will you just come? And right now, I just pray, even there's some here who are just so parched, you haven't experienced God before in your life. May you experience God even now. May you just sense his refreshing right now. Just fall back into his arms and let him fill your tank. He loves you. He's for you. You are not alone. Don't live like you are. Rely on him. Fill your people, Father, in Jesus' name.